Thanks for listening to this Ave Maria radio podcast. Be sure to share it with your friends and family and across social media. Building the church so we can bless the nations. This is Ave Maria radio. Good afternoon, I'm Al Cresta. A quote from Pope Francis. The lack of historical memory is a serious shortcoming in our society. A mentality that can only say, then was then, now is now, is ultimately immature. Knowing and judging past events is the only way to build a meaningful future. Memory is necessary for growth. very, a very compelling insight, in fact, one that uh, Pope John Paul II had written quite a bit about. I want to take a moment here because I know in our day, uh, the church is under attack for its teachings. It's also under attack for the sin and shortcomings of many of its members. In fact, Thomas Woods, a uh, professor uh, who teaches uh, Western civilization, asks his students to pick one word to describe the Catholic Church. And these are the kind of words that come up oppressive, superstitious, ignorant, repressive, stagnant, corrupt. And he points out that there's one word they never think of to describe Catholicism, and that's the word civilization. And yet Western civilization cannot be understood without a knowledge of the cultural clout of the Catholic faith. You know, the church has birthed the miracles of modern science, uh, the wealth of free market economics, the security of the rule of law, a unique sense of human rights and freedoms, charity as a virtue, uh, splendid art and music, a philosophy grounded in reason, and so many other gifts that we take for granted uh, because at this time we seem to be the wealthiest and most powerful civilization in human history. Now, of course, this isn't to say that members of the church or the hierarchy or even popes um, always act as the saints they're called to be. It's not to say that Catholics and their leadership have always acted in a timely way or a holy way. But my frustration is that there's a huge gap between the popular impression of the Catholic Church's role in history and what serious, sober scholarship has been discovering and repeating for the last few generations. So let me say, first of all, uh, the world has a debt to the Catholic Church. This is a phrase I like to use often. First of all, because the Catholic Church is the leading defender and protector protector of human dignity over history. A few years before his death, the late Harvard uh, political science professor Samuel Huntington said that where a nation is largely a Christian nation, its people can be counted upon to value liberty, uh, totalitarianism, and authoritarianism don't last long in a Christian climate. Why? Well, another Harvard prof, Orlando Patterson, in his book, Freedom, says that the West has been influenced by the teaching of St. Paul that where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. When people begin to feel that liberty in their spirit, they come to expect a corresponding liberty in their society. And this ends up producing the notion that uh, rule should only be by consent of the governed. Humans have rights. That concept can be traced through the Declaration of Independence to John Locke, all the way back to the Church's canon law. In fact, here's a historical tidbit for you. Western law itself is very largely a gift of the Church. Canon law 
was the first modern legal system in Europe. Uh, Harold Berman, who taught uh, uh, law and jurisprudence at um, Emory University for years, one of the most respected legal historians, uh, said this, quote, It was the church that first taught Western men what a modern legal system is like. The church first taught that continuing Excuse me, the church first taught that conflicting customs, statutes, cases, and doctrines may be reconciled by analysis and synthesis. And these laws became the protectors of human dignity. I I believe the world has a debt to the Catholic Church because it's the church that has introduced into the consciousness of the world the spiritual discipline of the imitation of Christ. And it's that sacrificial life that has produced the most selfless acts of service the world's ever seen. And this goes all the way back in the church's history. During the reign of Constantine in the early 4th century, his army was struck by famine and disease. Pacomius was a pagan soldier in that army, and he watched in amazement as many of his fellow Romans brought food to the afflicted men, and they distributed that food without discriminating as to rank or social class. They simply bestowed help on anyone in need. And Pacomius was curious. What moved these people? What kind of religion inspired such acts of generosity and humanity? And he began to learn about Jesus, the founder of this community. And before he knew it, he was on the path to conversion. Even Voltaire, the most prolific anti-church activist of the 18th century, was blown away by the spirit of self-sacrifice that he saw on the part of so many nuns who were working in hospitals. So what surprised Pacomius, and then more than a thousand years later, Voltaire, was this imitation of Christ, the giving of oneself. Uh, and this was, this was qualitatively different than what was taught by the Stoics or the Roman moralists in the classical world. For instance, Lucian in the second century uh, looks in astonishment at, quote, the earnestness with which the people of this religion, that is, the Christian faith, help one another in their needs, it's incredible. They spare themselves nothing for this end. Their first lawgiver put it into their heads that they were all brethren, end quote. We are so accustomed to the idea of the family of God calling one another brother and sister that the novelty of it has worn off. It was shocking in the second century when Lucian saw it. Medical historian Fielding Garrison uh, draws the contrast very clearly. Before the birth of Christ, he says, the spirit toward sickness and misfortune was not one of compassion. The credit of ministering to human suffering on an extended scale belongs to Christianity. The incarnation brought a different spirit into human history. And the world has a debt to the Catholic Church because, of course, the Church has produced and protected great works of culture. We talk about the conversion of the barbarians, for instance, that gave us the cultural entity called Europe. But that was ancient history. Most people don't have a clue that what is commonly called the scientific revolution begins in the Catholic Church. I know this runs counter to popular prejudice. Ron Howard's movie, Angels and Demons, has a key Vatican administrator confessing that, quote, since the days of Galileo, our church has tried to slow the relentless march of progress, sometimes with misguided means. 
<laughs> well, it's true when you say the Catholic Church and science, what pops into most people's heads is Galileo. And John Paul II addressed the church's mismanagement of the Galileo affair. It's too complicated to get into right now. But Galileo, the astronomer, is actually the exception that proves the rule. What's the Catholic rule when it comes to astronomy and science? Well, listen to J.L. Heilbron of the University of California at Berkeley, a church historian, I mean, a scientific historian. Quote, the Roman Catholic Church gave more financial aid and social support to the study of astronomy for over six centuries from the late Middle Ages into the Enlightenment than any other and probably all other institutions. The church was a strong supporter of scientific research and uh, it I mean, Copernicus, for heaven's sakes, who gave us the theory that the earth revolved around the sun, was a lifelong administrator in the Polish Catholic Church. His original work was approved by Pope Clement VII. It was dedicated to Pope Paul III, who urged Copernicus to publish in the first place. And the last point I want to make on this is that the world has a debt to the Catholic Church because it's the only institution among men that has the promise that the gates of hell won't prevail against it. I return to this theme over and over again because it needs to be restated and we shouldn't forget it. It was the active resistance of the teaching church, among other influences, that brought the downfall of communism in Eastern Europe. In the wonderful providence of God, it began with the election of the first non-Italian pope in 400 years. In fact, a Polish pope. When Karol Wojtyla visited his homeland just after his election as Pope John Paul II, the world was stunned by photos of two, three million strong who turned out to declare their solidarity with him. Nobody was watching more closely than the puppet communist regime in Poland. And, of course, there was the upstart trade union named Solidarity. And when the Pope lent his moral support to Solidarity, the walls of communism from Moscow to Berlin began to crumble. Historians agree that when Solidarity forced huge concessions from the Communist Party, it was the beginning of the end for the Soviet domination of Eastern Europe. And the leaders of the Solidarity movement made it absolutely clear that it was the moral leadership of John Paul II that emboldened them to take, a, take on the communist regime. Walls are still falling all over the, all over the globe. The, the church is still battering down the gates of hell. We shouldn't forget this just because in the West we're having some difficulty. You know, uh, Catholic Christianity, the Catholic Church, is truly a universal religion for the first time in its history. Catholic means universal, and we've always had universal aspirations. The gospel was to go to all people, all nations, right? Uh, but historically, you know, we were, we were born in the Middle East. Uh, we went through adolescence in Europe and North America, and now we're entering maturity, and we're changing the face of Africa. We have a solid presence in Asia. The gates of hell have not prevailed. They've been smashed in all over the world. When John Paul II would say, don't be afraid, he also implied, don't be ashamed. Don't be intimidated. Don't let lies and falsehoods rob you of Christ's joy dwelling within us. You know, for the time being, it may not be popular to say this, but in truth, empirically speaking, the world has a debt to the Catholic Church. 
because the church has been the greatest defender of human dignity. She's introduced the imitation of Christ, the selfless, sacrificial life of Jesus, into the consciousness of the world. She's produced and protected the greatest works of culture, including the scientific revolution. She has the promise that the gates of hell won't prevail against her as she moves forward to spread that spirit of Christ. This is a message we have to get out to all young men and women today because they are being fed the distortions of American popular culture. And the way to get this message out and to change the face of American Catholicism for the next generation is to make sure that your local radio affiliates are being supported strong, EWTN, Ave Maria Radio, because our message is, well, our aim is to be an echo chamber of the teaching authority of the church. It's the Holy Spirit who keeps hope alive, and Jesus continues to do all things well. He came to make all things new, beginning with our souls, our attitudes, our conversation, our way of life. So, be at peace, he says. In this world, you'll have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Praise God.